Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with Simon Blair and Emma Doyle, the show that explores how to coach for success in both sport and business. Simon is owner and founder of Five Degrees and is a customer experience coach specializing in sales and customer service for contact centers. Emma is a performance coach, mentor and speaker with more than 20 years experience in coach education, both in Australia and around the world. In this episode, Emma interviews her good friend and the most famous tennis mum in the world, Judy Murray. A former tennis player herself, Judy was the first coach of her two sons, Jamie and Andy. Andy has since won three Grand Slam trophies and is the current number one ranked player in the world, while Jamie is currently the number seven ranked doubles player. Captain of the British Fed Cup team since December 2011, she has said it's a role she took partly to help grow the number of female coaches in Great Britain. She's been a national coach with the Lawn Tennis Association and is heavily involved with grassroots development. Judy has a passion and focus on growing the participation and development of girls tennis in particular through the She Rallies and Miss Hits programs. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm Emma Doyle here with Judy Murray, great friend, great coach, um, legend of a person. Anyway, without further ado, uh, I'm going to start with the Vegemite question. You either love it or you hate it. What's your take? <laughs> I'm not a Vegemite fan. I quite like Marmite. Yeah. But yeah, no, you can keep your Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that case, could you share with us either, you can you can choose either, um, your best coaching moment and what, what are the lessons or, or a, a shocking coaching moment or worst coaching moment that you've seen or you've experienced. Um, has one come to mind? Um, well, I quite often get asked that about um, your kind of biggest success as a coach. And the first thing I always think about is the Dunblane High School boys team in 1994 won the Scottish Schools Championships. So it was like four 16-year-olds who were all kind of county or you maybe call regional level. No, no superstars, but all much of a muchness, which is perfect, uh, you know, in a, in a team like that. And they were just kids that I'd started helping at the club when I was a volunteer. So it was my first success, and it's always my kind of thing that I always think about. And my worst coaching moment, I was actually telling somebody about this the other day. It was kind of when I was starting out and I had been a decent player but mm. I wasn't a coach mm. um, but I was trying to help some of the kids in our area because in, in Scotland tennis is a very small sport and back then 25 years ago when I was just starting out we had hardly any coaches at all it just wasn't a thing in Scotland so like you do you try and teach or help from how you were shown how to do mm -hmm. it you know so it was sort of eastern grip turn your shoulders step forward sideways uh -huh. sort of thing and this kid came to me and he was 12 and he had this incredibly Western grip. I didn't know what Western grip was. I just thought, yeah. what is he doing holding the racket like that? Like He'll that. never be able to hit it. And of course he could. And I was trying to get him to step forward and turn his shoulders and things like that. And yeah. he was going, it's really uncomfortable. I can't really do it like this. And that was my shocker coaching moment. That kid got to 500 in the world. But for me, it was the light bulb thing of the game has moved on from when I learned I'm going to have to go mm. and take some qualifications <laughs> and learn about this technique thing. Yeah. So I still cringe whenever I see that guy. Do you remember when I tried to get you to do that? And you basically told me to shut up. Yeah. Work. Yeah, there you go, bad coaching moment. Yeah, I think the game's changing every six months, isn't it? So it's so important to stay, you know, stay educated. Um, the next question's the sliding doors question. So you know when your life is heading one way and something happens or someone happens and you end up turning left instead of right quite dramatically, can you think of a moment, I mean we have many throughout our coaching career, but is there one for you that you could share with us? Um, yeah, probably... Um I think I, three things kind of happened to me all within probably about a year, 15 months. And uh, one was when 
I wanted to upgrade my qualification again. I wanted to learn more. I realised I didn't know enough, and uh, I wanted some of the kids I was working with in Scotland were were getting quite good, and I just realised I just didn't have enough knowledge um, or experience, and. I was told to, there was a new course coming out, Performance Coach Award, um, new course that the LTA were designing and wait for that course. So I waited for it, I applied for a place on it and I got a place on it. And it was a woman who was in the head of coach education at the LTA at the time. She persuaded me to wait for it and to go for it. Got one of those places, did the course, it lasted a year. And at the end of the course, um, I was given an opportunity to travel with some of the British under 12, under 13, under under 14 girls teams to tournaments abroad. And I got that opportunity because I was a female and therefore I could look after them and they'd mm -hmm. be safe and all the rest of it. And that gave me the opportunity to see, you know, standards in other countries, meet coaches from other countries. And it really helped me to learn and improve and put into operation all the things that I'd learned on this course. Mm. And then the third thing happened was that the Scottish National Coach job came up. It had been vacant for 18 months and they decided to, to advertise again. And somebody applied me to go, f to go for it. And it was a woman who was the... I guess you would call chief exec now. In those days, it was secretary of our, our governing body in Scotland, which was very tiny then. And um, she persuaded me to go for it. So the three opportunities, coach ed, one mm. was by a woman. The age group captaining was by a woman. And uh, the third one, going for the national coach job, I was encouraged to go for it by a woman. So within that sort of 15-month period, I went from being a kind of district coach in our area in Scotland on a relatively small scale um, to suddenly being the mm. national coach and travelling overseas. And it was just amazing how quick it all happened, but it set me on a path to mm. where I've ended up. Mm. <laughs> mm. Which is obviously supporting other, you know, the quality and the um, raising the profile of the, the women in the workforce doing an amazing job with um, with that. Um, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Someone who listens. Love it. <laughs> great interview with Judy Murray. Yeah, she's just a ripper. You... Um, so that was in in Scotland, was it, or somewhere in the UK? That was um, actually done in in Glasgow yep. at a uh, workshop that was um, that was on at the day with uh, another skills specialist, Kenneth Bastian, who's also um, one of our guests, and uh, we'll be hearing his interview shortly. But um, yeah, I the quick background, uh, and I think it's a good story. It's going to set the scene for almost what what we've just heard and that is um so I met Judy probably about five years ago and when I first met her I you know I did I did the dorky thing I asked for a photo you know I said can I have a photo with you and that was it and she said yes you know sure took the photo done the next time I had the chance to meet her we were both speaking at the ITF conference in Mexico and then I built up the courage to say hi how are you I'm also a speaker here, and that's about as far as that conversation went. But she was pleasant and nice. And then my best friend, Julie Gordon, who's Scottish, uh, actually then the year after had the opportunity to actually introduce me. So the conversation went beyond one sentence. And then I decided... To, to what, two sentences? Yeah. <laughs> I've probably got a paragraph in there. 
And uh, and then what happened was, I think this is already, you can start to see the importance of relationship and just slowly building in the um, the rapport building, you know, not not jumping in straight away. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was over time. And then what happened next, which I'm a huge believer in, was, and she touches on it about volunteer. I, I flew on the other side of the world just to watch her coach. I was so impressed with her ability with this um, tennis on the road program, uh, you know, throwing equipment in the back of a van, going to, um, you know, deprived areas in, in Scotland and around the UK and yep. running awesome activities for kids. And I thought, I've, I just want to go and watch and learn and listen. And you weren't there stalking her. I just Correct. want to check that. Correct. No. no, I said to Julie, I said, let's go. And I didn't even need to ask for the, you know, for the photographic evidence. That, that you know, it's not always about that. It was about the learning. And yep. then from that moment, uh, we have really developed a, an amazing connection with, I've, been, I've brought out Miss Hits to Australia, uh, which is her starter program for girls age five to eight. And, uh, and now consequently, you know, we've, I've had the opportunity to really be a part of the She Rallies initiative, which is, um, increasing the number of female coaches and connecting girls to tennis, the, you know, the quality and the number. And so we've just got a fantastic relationship and I'm... It's like your besties now, let's well, face it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but... Um, I've seen the social media uh, posts. <laughs> but I, I said, so, yeah, I mean, certainly I, I love the way she thinks. She always, you know, one of her, her, her favourite lines, she always says, let the activity do the teaching for you. Hmm. Great. Yeah. So make it about action and doing stuff. Yeah. Rather than talking about it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think even the story in, you know, me even going to Scotland out of my own pocket, paying my own way to get there is very much along the lines of what she shares with us around that moment where she's a volunteer coach Mm. and she starts as a volunteer coach and she has a moment where that, you know, she's, it's, you can see it really, that first success story really resonated with her physiology when she was saying around you know, um, they were just, you know, ordinary players and they had this success as a team. Yeah. Well, it's the classic, uh, you know, uh, a functioning, high-functioning team as opposed to a team of champions. Yes, yes. So it wasn't like they were, you know, extraordinary, but mm. it was through the collective um, teaching and the experience she had through that that I really love that the importance of volunteering your time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, in the context for her of doing that as a springboard for her coaching career, um, which, you know, it's reminds me of what often is needed to develop. If you want to develop, say, public speaking capability and, you know, the, um, you know, that that's a journey that you're certainly have done a lot of yes. and are continuing to develop yes. and raise the bar and seek out bigger opportunities. And mm. uh, for me, I've, I've sort of dabbled with it and I'm very comfortable in the training space, but that the, often the pathway through is offer your services for free, do local community things or chamber of commerce or whatever it might be to build up number one, the practice <laughs> Yes. Uh, of, and see what works and refine your message and, and then opportunities for, you know, often great mm. leaps forward can, mm. can happen as a result. Yes. But you yes. gotta, you gotta, you gotta take those brave steps. Yes. Uh, where it's not linked to making money uh, because you've got your eye on the prize, a longer yeah. term sort of uh, goal or ambition. Yeah. 
Um, and I really now, you know, I have to, I have to talk about her worst coaching moment as something that really resonated with me, especially as a learning facilitator. So I've been in that world for the last eight or nine years. And I absolutely love assessment day when the coach is delivering a lesson and the children actually say something along the lines of, hey, coach, this is really difficult what you're asking us to do. Or, you know, all the children will go, too easy. This is too easy. You're saying that happens all the time. You you create that environment and allow them to actually give you that feedback, or they they're just doing that automatically. They it's they're kids, you know, especially ten and under, the the young, right? And so, but but what I find really really interesting is they provide you with the information. So she's coaching this this boy who's got the Western grip. Now, now for those non-tennis folk out there it's it's almost like me yeah yeah. so if you can (laughs) kind of imagine your hand underneath the racket and it's it's quite uncomfortable um and there's no you know telling someone to step forward and you know and turn close the shoulders off and use that grip it is uncomfortable yeah so he he provides that information for her and this happens i see this all the time when the kids actually provide you with the tools and they give you an opportunity. This, now, this is what's really interesting, mm. I think, from a coach perspective. Because once they give you the, the, that information, you have the ability to act on it immediately. Yes. So I, I'd imagine the state of your ego in that moment Correct. would often decide, and for any, any coach in those moments, to whether you're receptive to taking on something new and actually being challenged in your thinking. Especially and by a child. Absolutely. And mm. just, you know, putting aside that I'm the expert, I know what I've, I'm doing, I've been doing this for a long time or a little time, but I know all this like a grip. This is the way you hit a tennis racket. Yes. Well, hang on. From your little world of whatever environment you've been in, which might only be a small part of what's actually happening in other parts of the world or your country or in your community, uh, are you across that? Yeah, yeah. Have you have you actually kept up? Are you in, actively engaged in those communities so you're aware of what's shifting and what's changing? Mm. We see that a lot in the business world. You know, business has, the last few years in particular, radical transformation in terms of business models and how you do business because of the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the old ways often don't cut it anymore. And yet, and often the bigger they are, the harder they are to tr- the harder it is to transition in terms of organisations. Um, which, like you and I, you know, we're, we've got small businesses, we've got our own things. We can we can uh, adjust in the moment and, and try things out and mm. see what works and mm, be prepared mm. to stuff it up mm. and that concept of failure and in order to um, and and take on board new information because we want to be current we want to be relevant mm. um, but that's it's not easy for everyone to do that well, especially again when it the, it comes from the voice of a child oh, so yeah. um yeah uh i yeah i think that that was a really a really critical point um and then the need for this upskilling this need for an awareness to go you know what i uh, i need to get better the game has changed and, you know, just because you have been a decent player does not necessarily make you a great coach. Well, thoughts you, on that, Simon? Yeah, you've just, you've just hit on in the, in the business world one of the great classic mistakes that 
so many organizations make, and that is, and, and to be honest, corporations. This is the failure of corporations, right? It's the, it's the pathways, the promotions to, to management roles of just because you were a superstar in the role that you're in or that your previous role, that automatically that means you get promoted to a, say, management responsibility. It's a different skill set. The skills of a manager as a leader responsible for other people is radically different to the skill set that made you successful when it was just you executing, you know, the tasks and the uh, initiatives within a position where you didn't have, say, staff responsibility. And see it constantly uh, in the call center world, which is a space that I grew up in. It's like amazing call center agent. Well, just promote them through to a team leader and... Do they have the skill sets to manage people? They might not have been the best um, staff member in terms of stats and performance, but they actually might be the best manager. Uh, and I was a case in point. Mm. Uh, that was me. I was middle of the road. I, mean, I was always brilliant at customer service. It was a natural thing. I found my feet when I, was, when I came to work in a big organization serving customers. I didn't know I was naturally suited to it until I started doing it. Um, but then I, you know, one of the reasons I do this podcast, I like to talk. That would often get in the way of being efficient. Yeah. And you've got to balance efficiency with, you know, quality, say, conversation with a customer. I would err on the side of talking too much. Uh, so it was a bit of a bit challenging for my manager yes. in that regard. Uh, but that strength, that skill set w- lent itself beautifully to coaching the people management side of the equation when I became a team leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, being very – so you, you tell me, Emma, in terms of the sport – in a sporting context, have you got some examples there or your own, you know, people you've dealt with or seen where those mistakes have happened and, and, and the consequences for everyone involved by getting that wrong, you know, assuming – it's all assumption – Assuming that because you were good at this role, you're automatically going to be good at this mm. role when actually the skill mm. sets required are different. Mm. Uh, I've come across it a lot. And again, you know, it, obviously in the tennis world, people sometimes, even obviously, you know, I, I travel to lots of different countries and sometimes the people in charge of leading um, certain departments um, because they were top 100 in the world does not necessarily make them qualified to even understand player development. And even having said that, some high-performance coaches, player development coaches, have never coached Red Bull before or been on a Red Bull court and really... What do you mean by Red Bull? Uh, for, you know, the, the, the modified court, the six-metre wide net, the, the oh, eight-metre eight length. For kids. For kids. Yeah, right. Yep. And I'm not saying they need to be an expert in that. But it does all all the pieces of the puzzle. You, you it is need different. To, you need to have the overview of the of the puzzle to 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 be able to lead and have yeah. the vision at the highest end. Yes, you can specialize in whatever age group or or developmental readiness or stage that you you know that you want to um, work in. But I think it's critical to get the right people in the right jobs, even if you've got a small coaching business. Uh, this happened to me last weekend, actually, and um, a young, a young, you know, university student, really nice guy, comes up and he and he was he's a very good player, grade one penna player, 
and he gave me his playing credentials and he was, you know, he's a part-time coach. He's, he's studying uni, wants to do something completely outside of tennis, but this is his part-time job. And we were on court dealing with two to five-year-olds. Mm. And, um, yeah, it, it would be fair to say that it. I really don't care how good-looking your forehand is. Um, <laughs> you know, if you don't understand children, yeah, you know, Sorry, ser- I'm serious. Because for I, me, that's, that's just a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. in that age group, it's like so, surely it's more about foundation skills, building fundamentals yeah. rather than, you know, the perfect execution of... I know that sounds obvious for you, but I mean, the reality of small business, let's say, you know, you've only got one class that's blue stage, you know, which is the two to five and it's a half an hour lesson. You you can't. No, it's only so much. You you can't offer, you can't offer one person half an hour work. Mm. And then if they are well suited to the older players or the squad level players, fantastic. Mm. Um, But if, you know, even when you're running a small business, I personally would even though, so they're the challenges. So I acknowledge the challenges but find a way to try and put all your blue stage and all your, your, your introduction to red so that, you know, even the five, six, your preps, ones, twos, yep. into that one night or that one day. I know it's not always ideal. And then you're better off educating um, these, these amazing people that work in, say, um, the, the kindergartens and daycare centres and giving them tools around coordination and skill development um, because they understand kids first. You've yes. got to understand kids first. I'm so passionate yeah, about yeah. this. Can you feel yeah, it? Can absolutely. you feel it through the microphone? I'm just. But it's just, it's no different to dealing with adults. You know, yes. it's like as I said in the business world, if you're a manager, it's the ability to emotional intelligence and the ability to relate to adults and have empathy and to listen and all the skills we talk about and we hear from you know our guests in terms of the. The, what makes a great coach? Well, that's the same stuff that makes a great coach in business or just in a management role. Mm. Uh, to be effective, to be the manager as a coach, the manager as a leader, as opposed to just managing an operation, is you got to. It's all you're yes. dealing with people, and you got to bring them with you. And yes. that's the that's not for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's not, not for everyone. Judy so. is the master at it. Yeah. She is the master. If you can just watch any of her stuff, and obviously her Miss Hits program, just especially for girls. You know, looking at the needs of what's important to young girls and mm. setting a program around that that develops the pre-skills to playing tennis. Because what happened was, as a result of me um, helping this this business last week, yep. the parents didn't like it. Yeah, they were right. like, oh, mm. how come they're not learning tennis? How mm. come my three-year-old isn't? How come you're not feeding forehands and backhands? I I paid for tennis lessons. And half the battle, surely, as a coach of kids, is the skill set in being able to deal with the parents. You know, I know that that from first-hand dealing in my junior coaching Mm. days in basketball. um, But that was a strength of mine. It was actually what made it work. A massive part was dealing with the the parents and explaining things and acknowledging and empathizing where they're coming from. But at the end of the day... Yeah, they're not coaches. Yeah, and when your expectation doesn't match, you know, if you've got an expectation, your kid's going to start playing tennis, which, by the way, if you are a parent and you are listening, you know, please, please, please note pre-five, it's about coordination, fundamental perceptual motor skills, locomotion, throw and catch, and striking. It is not tennis. And you set those foundational years so that your child can be have that beautiful um, confidence in their coordination in whatever sport they want to play. Yeah. You can't specialise in tennis at this age. And I'm telling no. you, if you did, they will burn out. The stats say they will burn out. Mm. For girls around 10, 11, the boys are a little older. Yeah. 
But this is, you know, and, and this is why um, I love working with Judy because when you look at her activities, and don't forget, both her sons are number one in the world right now. We're mm. talking about, you know, in singles, Andy, Jamie and doubles. Yep. And she did all their pre-foundational work. Mm. Now, if you watched the activities she did with her sons, that they're not going to resemble what, say, your map of the world of what an actual tennis court looks like in traditional tennis. It's going to look nothing like that. They're going to be leapfrogging over each other to get to the other side of the garden. They're going to be um, popping a balloon up while bouncing a ball down on the ground at the same time. Mm. And how long, how many seconds can you do that for? And how many, so lots of personal best challenges and still, so still a little competitive, but self-competitive at this age. Mm. And this, this is, um, you know, she, she really, you know, I, obviously I can share this because of my, my background knowledge about, yeah. about what she does, Um but you can hear then in what she goes on to talk about, which you know we'll cover now, in this evolution of learning. Yeah. You're listening to The Coaching Podcast, brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in call quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. Visit Five Degrees, spelled F-I-V-E, at fivedegrees.com.au to find out how you can supercharge your sales and customer service efforts. And The Coaching Podcast, also brought to you with thanks to Emma Doyle, international speaker, mentor, and performance coach, specialising in communication, women in leadership, and coach education for players, parents, clubs, schools and coaches right around the world. Visit emmadoyle.com.au and discover your inner coach today. To be honest, Emma, the key takeaway I got from your interview and and certainly when she talks about her best experiences as she got started as a coach and she actually had some great leaps forward in a relatively short space of time. Yes. Uh, And I really like that because it's often, you know, we... Yeah, you map out, certainly when you start your journey, say as a coach, and you map out, hopefully this is a career you want to have, and you start to project the next 5, 10, 15 years where you're going to be, we tend to naturally think in terms of incremental sort of milestones and steady as she goes. And if I do this activity, I'll get really good at that. Then there's a natural pathway to the next thing. I'll get good at that. That'll then lead to something else, you know, um, Often it just doesn't work like that because we're either we're proactive and in throwing ourselves into different situations to test ourselves, and and you either sink or swim. And if you swim, that's a great leap forward, um, or it's imposed on you because you've got a good mentor or a coach yourself who's challenging you and, and testing you. And those significant breakthroughs that often you have, those aha moments as a coach, where suddenly your development in a relatively short space of time is is massive um, and puts you on a completely different tra- trajectory. And we've heard that from a number of our guests, yeah. you know, already, and I see that as a recurring theme. Yeah. So I suppose my point is never be afraid to when the opportunity presents itself that you automatically think, oh, gulp, am I ready for that? Take the leap anyway. Yeah, take Especially the leap anyway. for females listening. Yeah, okay. Because, um, you know, a lot of the research suggests that, you know, w- when that job interview comes up, that women will read the job interview and they'll say, no, I don't tick every single box. I won't apply mm. for that. Guys will tick 60% of the boxes and say, yeah, yeah, I, I can do yeah. that. Yeah. And I'll, you know, so I think that's that's That sense something, of self and Yeah, you know, and Judy talks about that a lot as well. Um, and then there's that, that theme of also, uh, maybe I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times about, 
women empowering women on the, on this particular episode because she talks about the three significant people that helped her. We're all women. She 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 does yeah. bring that up, and she's so passionate about um, helping other females be the best version of themselves. And her sliding doors. I love I love you know this. Sometimes when I ask the sliding doors question, I think of one moment. She talks about her sliding doors over one year to fifteen months, mm. and yeah. and and in three parts. This is this is what happened first. You know the the coach education. This is what happened second. The opportunity to learn. As in, she talks about that that leap of you know that mm. leap of learning through other countries, surrounding herself with other coaches, um, and you finding out what's best practice, and then actually being able to practice what you what you learn and mm. and try it, and you know, um, and then obviously someone tapping her on the shoulder and saying, "Hey, I think you should go for this, you know, Scottish uh, national coach position." Yeah. Um, and and she did, you know. Yeah. And look where look now. What I mean, she's one of the most influential women in 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 the UK, if not in the world. Yeah. Um, especially in tennis. Um, and best practice. Uh, and the other thing, um, through my conversations with her, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing this, is that when she was the the Scottish national coach in her early days, what she actually did, which I think is really, really smart, when the boys got to a certain age in their tennis, I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but around 12 years of age, 12, 13, that she employed a young coach that was cool, you know, the mm. blonde spiky hair apparently <laughs> and, um, you know, who's now um, I believe the the, Dave, the UK Davis Cup coach, um, Leon wow. Smith. Yep. So, you know, someone who the boys thought was cool and she thought, well, I could, you know, I can – like she started out, I can give him the tools. And if the message comes then from, you know, when that boys are hitting that, that early teenage, you know, puberty and they, they're hearing the message from somebody who's, you know, who's um, they can, someone they can relate to or mm. someone they, they look up to still. Yes. So still not, not a friend, but, yeah. you know. But there's, credi- that, there's credibility. That, yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, so they're receptive to the message. Yeah, yeah, receptive to the message more because he's he's cool as well. Yeah. I mean, how smart is well, that? Well, and in the mind of uh, that that age group, that 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 is credibility. Yeah, if yes. you're not cool, if I see you as a bit of a stiff, then yeah, yeah, not so much. Yeah, I'm I'm not even listening to the words mm. that coming coming out of your I mouth. I bet that's a sliding doors moment for him. Maybe we could get him on yeah. the show when I'm <laughs> when I'm heading back in the UK. Uh, there you go. There's a, I'm putting it out there. I love putting it out there. Who I want to get on the show. Yeah. It's, it's one way to get get you on the show. Um, but that would be a sliding and you know some great sliding doors stories there. Um, yeah, especially also I, I can really relate my career in terms of, I first took the, um, you know, the state 10 and under team away. And then I took the, the 12s Australian team to New Zealand. And then I was given, you know, the 14s Australian team to Asia and then eventually, you know, junior fed cup captain, which in Spain and, you know, when you're representing your country, um, there's no greater honor. So, um, I really, and you'd be acutely conscious of that's a leap. That's, that's, that's a whole different level. That's a leap. Um, and it was, but you got to get the runs on the board though. These, these, totally, you, it's totally. not do the 12s and, and do a poor job. You're not going to get the next yeah. call up. So it's, um, and also, you know, sport in the, you know, the sporting industry at the higher you go up, it, you are measured by your results. No, it's all, it's all performance. Yeah. For me, the, um, the great leap forward was when I consciously decided to step out of the corporate world. Yeah. My whole career to that point had been in some of the biggest companies in Australia, biggest telco, one of the big four banks. And 
there was an opportunity to go work for a small consultancy company in the space I play in, which is custom experience, where I got to be a consultant for the first time, dealing with many, many organizations. And when you've been brought up in effect in corporate world, you get very conditioned to that those safe environments. And the, very early on when I was thrust into this uh, position, I, I, it, it awoke my eyes. I was going from presenting in, say, training rooms in the corporate world to, say, call center team leaders to six months later presenting to boardrooms in big institutions in this company, uh, in this country. And uh, that requires a mental shift and you got to back yourself in and it's sink or swim. And I was able to swim because of what you just said, Emma. I had the runs on the board. Uh, I'd, I'd proven things to myself already and now I was just in a position to really unleash that. <laughs> yes. Un- unleash that. And my message wasn't any different to what it was when I was in the corporate world. But they were paying me money. (laughs) And there's a different psychology with someone who's removed and outside as opposed to someone who's just part of the furniture. It's incredible how that works um, based on people's assumptions and perceptions on the the nature of the relationship they have with you. And, um, you know, I suppose that, that might be something similar to the difference between a parent that rocks up to be a coach versus having a qualified coach be the coach. Yes. You know, the fact that you're paying the qualified coach now, who's to say the parent actually isn't more effective by chance? Unlikely, but it could happen. Wouldn't say unlikely. Okay. Yeah. So it does happen. Not in yeah. my experience. Yeah. So, mm. um, but the fact that people perceive that if I'm paying money and you've got a qualification and you're a professional, then you're automatically, your message, even if it's the same as the parent, mm. is somehow better or worth more. Mm. So it was, it was a fascinating, um, in a rel- very short space of time, uh, it shifted my perspective and made it mm-hmm. really, you know, catapulted my career in terms of mm. just realizing things about yourself and your expertise, and also your audience and the opportunities that are available there to um, to, to to help and, and have influence. So, which is a great intro into what makes a great coach. Well, what Judy revealed in terms of what makes a great coach, it was very succinct, to the point. Someone who listens. Uh, immediately that cast my mind back to our very first episode <laughs> Yes, when we were in the studio with Jane and you revealed your encounter with Roger Federer. <laughs> Correct. And, you know, uh, Roger revealed, you know, that that's you asked him that question. I did. And, and that was exactly his response as well. Yes. So there we have Roger Federer and Judy Murray, you know, both of them revealing that someone who listens – and and I love the fact that she she just left it there. You she know, did. It's like there is that's it. That's it. Because without that, you cannot be effective as a coach. Yes. So I, I assume in her mind that's that's the skill. Yes. It's a non-negotiable. If you want to be great, you've got to be just. And she's so have that on point. She says it, and it's not it's not a like a hesitation or a let me think about that mm. or a, you know and just stays with it like the pause remember the power of the yeah. she just paused and i went she wow knows, she knows it she yeah knows it. yes so um one thing you know that i read recently is um listening is the beginning of understanding and wisdom is the reward of a lifetime of listening now emma you know i'm i'm the quote person 
Don't, I'm the one that comes up with quotes. <laughs> Who's, who said this? <laughs> Only one problem. Yeah. I've no idea. <laughs> but yeah. I, no, I heard it in a, um, I was listening to like a CD set. Um, you know, remember? Not, not a tape deck. No, this was a CD only just um, from years ago um, that I went to a bunch of lectures, and I but I burnt the CDs. So you know, back in the day of burning CDs, so I, I couldn't tell you, you know, where where the source was. Sure. But um, so just, I just repeat it again. Repeat the the quote again. Yeah, it is. Listening is the beginning of understanding, which is part one of the quote. Part two. Wisdom is the reward of a lifetime of listening. Mm. Uh, Both of those, to well, straight away I have to say, when I think of Judy, it's like she, in, in that brain of hers, she understands at a visionary level mm. because she's understood the needs of who she's working with. Like yeah. even take her, her Miss Hits program, you know, for, for young girls. What she did is she understood the needs of what little girls want, as in, you know, they don't want to play in the cold. They don't want to. They want to play with their friends. They want to be a part of a team. You know, this is what, what they're into. And so she took those ideas and concepts, then piloted a program. So let's test it first. She tested it. It now keeps on refining it, and has been going now for, mm. you know, a couple of years. And it's to the point where it's, um, you know, I really want to bring it out here to Australia because. We need to make sure that that first experience for all of our players is a positive, positive one. Absolutely. And you can only get to that by under- listening, yeah, the understanding part. So I'll give you a quote, Ooh. which is a more succinct version of exactly that. Great. Which so many of our audience would be familiar with it. Uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. people. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Starts with the listening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you cannot provide a solution, and it's what I teach. You know, it's it's the it's the key to personal mm. effectiveness. Mm. Yeah. You know, whether you're a coach, a manager, a salesperson, customer service, you know, any role, sport or business, where you're you want to have influence, you're there to help provide assistance uh, to someone else with your expertise. The classic mistake is to make assumptions because you're such an expert, and to come in with a solution. Because I've got this one. You take a couple of triggers at the start. You make assumptions and you go, oh, this is just the same as what I normally deal with. And you prescribe, you know, the training, the coaching, the activity, and doesn't quite work. Because, you know, you're dealing with people and, and everyone's needs are, are different. It's like even if the activity is the same, the manner in which you mm. deliver it mm. might need to be Always tweaked. has to be tweaked and tailored yes. to the person. Your language, yes. your communication. You know, we talk about this on a regular basis. Mm. But, of course, it all starts with listening. It does. And and so you can really tap into the needs of that person. And that's almost as much as, you know, it's, part of that is asking good questions. Yes. And then, and then I, listen to the response. Well, can, I'd love to jump into that space. You know that my background with NLP, neurolinguistic yes. Programming, um, and one of the, the core concepts at the heart of NLP is to fully listen. You have to pay close attention to the, the, the signs beneath the words. Mm. So, yep. um, so the way in which that person 
said something. Yes. What does that reveal? Yes. About- because what they say, especially after a tennis match, especially yeah. after a loss, yeah. what they say might not really be what's going on for them. No. So it's paying attention to how they said it, with the tone, does it go up at the end of yep. the sentence? Where's the where are their eyes tracking? How's their their, their body image? Yep. All those things that you you know that you're always um, you value highly. I know as mm. a coach, um, and that's as well. that's the high level of expertise that develops over time, isn't it? When you when absolutely it's, that's because there's no shortcut to to get to get um, to build that competency to do that effectively. You know, well, it's practice a lot of practice yes, and a lot of trial agree. and error and a. Agree. I will jump in yes. and say that confidence equals time plus experience. Yes. I probably shared that one with you before. Yeah. But it's a great one because, yes, I truly believe you can't short circuit time. However, okay, classic example. Last night I was coaching and a guy from France, Cedric, he says, can I come and just shadow you? So he comes and he's sitting at the back of the court. I'm like, no, jump on the court. You want to shadow me, stand right behind me yeah, yeah. and be my eyes. And then you can short circuit my experience. So I'm mm. doing something. I'm looking at something and I'm saying to him, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Yes. So this is what, so this is as in the expert eye, as in, you know, 25 years of coaching. Mm. Um, so this is what I see. And hey, I'm still growing myself mm. and learning. So I'm not saying I, I know everything, mm. but I'm saying this is what my experience tells me where I need to go with a question or with an activity or yep. an environment to set up. And so therefore I'm asking him to to really um, to follow my lead in in understanding that. And then that, and, and same goes with listening. So even the start of tonight, he's like, well, you know, what's your plan? I said, well, actually, some of these clients I see twice a year. So it's going to be the first 15 minutes are going to be me fully listening to where they're at yeah. before I exactly know which way I'm, I need to steer yep. the ship. Get, get that get that input. And it is. It's, yeah. a, it's a process of gathering input so you can make informed decisions. Absolutely. Rather, yeah. And avoid assumption. Assumption is the killer of good experience. Mm. You know, that's in business world, sporting world. You know, mm. you make assumptions and mm. and without actually knowing. And actually, you know, you get the evidence. actually, sorry, classic story last night. The father, you know, I always, I always get as much information as I can off the parents and and build that you know great relationships with parents. So I ask the you know the dad, you know, what's been happening, and he tells me, look, she, you know, hasn't really been enjoying her tennis, and you know, really painted quite a, a doom and gloom picture. And so my first question. You know, with um, with this little girl last night, as I saw, you know, how's how's your tennis going? Tell me about um, three things that you really that you're really finding positive about your experience with tennis. Oh, she she listed five things that she was going well with her tennis, and I was like, hang on a minute, I got to read, I got to fully listen and read the cues of what she's saying versus what Dad's saying yeah. to really determine what's the truth here. Mm. So another great quality of listening. Absolutely. Well, it's, um, you reminded me of something recent for me with uh, my girls. I've got twin girls who are 12, and they for the first time they played AFL football uh, last year. Brilliant. Uh, in a boys boys team. So they played with the boys. They're the only two girls at quite a high level as well. And But this year we've crossed over to a different club just because it's got a dedicated girls team. And the reason for that, now I'm right into the – Footy, and I'm I'm certainly the one that's that's there at the training, and uh, and then on weekends, you know, really helping them practice and prepare, prepare, and all that sort of thing outside of the, the training they go through, and we go to matches and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but 
there was a moment, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, so we're in between seasons where we were just, I just, I assume they just want to continue with the boys because that's actually a good thing for their development. Yeah. You know, it sets the standard really high. Uh, physically, that's a bit more challenging. But then it, we were having a proper conversation and I thought, no, put my own stuff aside about what I think is best and what I want for them, which is all about me, and actually just ask them questions and listen to what they've got to say. And I was actually surprised because they revealed to me, actually, Dad, we don't really thinking of maybe we don't want to do football. And I was like, oh, you know, because I'd projected already the next few years and where that might go because they're really good at it and they're athletic and coordinate and all those sorts of things. Uh, And so I I thought, okay, I've got to ask questions. Actually, what's really going on here? Mm. And it turns out, and it's what something you said before, where with the boys team, they're the odd ones out. And especially in that age, the boys are really awkward around the girls. They were amazingly respectful and created a really good environment for them. But at the end of the day, two girls in a team of, you know, 16, 18 boys. And the boys have this, you know, team sport, football camaraderie, which the girls were sort of always just on the outside. And really what they were craving was team that, spirit. that team spirit mm. and, and going on a journey together mm. in the mm. trenches mm. <laughs> with girls. Yeah. Yeah. And Fantastic. instantly I knew and I had to readjust my whole <laughs> And that's the other reason thinking. why tennis needs to keep up, by the way, with everything yeah. that's happening. I'm really concerned about our sport in some ways. Yes, mm. we've got equal prize money and we're leading the way in many other areas of gender equity. Uh, however, this is one of the reasons I started the Girl Power Camps mm. so that we can create that camaraderie, that team. It's often seen as an individual sport and I think with the – you know, with the marketing around uh, girls AFL and yeah. you know the, the the cricket, the female cricket, and I think it's brilliant. Don't yeah. don't get me wrong; I'm all for it. I just want tennis to make sure that we we we're there as well as, as a as a you know as a choice. And and be it's okay to do things differently for that segment being the fe- females and young girls and getting them in. If it needs radical ways of of how to you know, pathways for tennis engage. And, and engagement, then try things and do that mm-hmm. because That's there are di- there are inherent differences between girls mm. and boys. It's the know? best thing about working for yourself. If you want something done, as Judy would say, <laughs> just go just and do, do it. it. So, and then, I mean, you inspire me all the time because I see, you know, we talk and I see the work that you're doing in the tennis world and for girls and having girls myself, it's, uh, it's certainly... Uh, inspiring and it's it's sorely needed and mm-hmm. um and it's there's not as there's just not the volume of of coaches and people in positions of influence for female sport as there are for for men when when both men and women you know play play that sport mm. uh, so all credit to you and to Judy because you know I've seen you guys in action I went to the Oz Open to the coaches conference you yeah. invited me I actually got to meet her I only had one sentence so I'm hoping in a few years time <laughs> that might progress maybe to two or a paragraph <laughs> um, and maybe I'll be best friends with her in you know yeah. 10 years time but no. probably a good segue to um to go into her question shall we yes. what's that one question that you'd love to ask um, successful people? What's that one thing that you're always curious about or you you want more information on or what's that one thing that really eats away at you or triggers your your curiosity? I think there's, I think there's lots of things but when you meet interesting people it's 
probably more about, you know, you look at somebody and you think, well, they're really successful, they've had an interesting life or interesting experiences, they, they've achieved great things, but what next for you? Mm. Because for me, I'm always like, right, what am I going to do next? Yeah. I always want to be busy, I always want to learn, I always want to share. So who can I learn from? Who can I influence? Who can I share with? So I'm always interested in, in seeing what what other people think about what, what's your next step because mm. sometimes you think where do you go from there you've done it all but there's always something yeah yeah thank you so much for being on the show you're a champion person and i appreciate everything that you do it's a pleasure <laughs> you're a bit of a champion person yourself if you don't <laughs> mind me saying <laughs> so emma i love that um that the, the question she asked to like, what's next who can i learn from who can i influence uh, always being open to your own self-development and that you don't necessarily know it all. And we, all, all For all of us, we have to keep moving forward. Um, and I think a lot of what she said through this whole interview and certainly in that wrapped up in that question is the need to uh, keep developing, keep challenging yourself, keep growing. Otherwise, you decay. Yeah. You know, it's not a... It's not a you know, I, I'm comfortable and therefore I will stay happy where I am. Uh, that's not an option because everything moves and everything evolves either in the positive or the negative and actually staying still uh, is a negative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the, everything's subtly changing all the time, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. That's right. So, you know, and with the question what's next, you're not really asking to focus on the past. No, it's always you know, future focused. Yeah, yep. and, it's, and yes, your past does make you who you are today, but I love that, okay, what's what's next? And the one other thing that Judy has taught me is she, like, well, the best way to describe this is she, I don't really see her doing anything unless it's related to her higher purpose. Mm. She's so driven and so clear with her messages. Um, even during the Aussie Open, I, I managed to get her on a couple of, you know, radio shows, and SEN, for example, and, yep. you know, they're all wanting to talk about the past, yep. right? So she does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then she's brilliant Shifting at it. actually then going, and what I'm focused on now is engaging more girls into tennis. What I'm focused on now is increasing the number and quality of female coaches and educating all coaches on how to better work with girls. Like it's so... Mm. The message is so clear and and even in my preparation um, to interview her, I had to do the same thing in focusing on my interview questions and what when I think about what's next for me, I had to strip it back and go, what what is important to me? And two things came out of that. I was going to ask, so what, yeah, what is, yeah, what is it? Yeah, well... Um, well, and it, it was interesting around the new design of my website as well. Mm. Um, so that was that was three core themes, but then two global missions came out of that. So the three themes around the website were um, communication, the importance of communication. As you know, I really value that. Uh, women in leadership and women empowerment and high-performance coaching. So yeah. And a high-performance mindset to everything that you do. And then the that was that what really if you look at my website they're the three main things that, that mm. scroll on my home page what I'm about and what I'm connected to and then taking that to the next level as you know I'm still in the process of writing my book um, so the first global mission is how do I help you discover your inner coach yes. so I believe there's a, there's a coach that lives within all of us so how do you tap into that so that you can help others yep. 
And then the second one, which is around the power of a positive approach with your language, which, Mm. by the way, is an awareness of the past, Mm. live in the present, focus on the future. What do you need to do better? How else can you do that? I've got to say, listeners, Emma is all over me with my language and herself, to her credit. It's not... And it's not personal, but even in doing this podcast, often we take, you know, 10 minutes before we get started. We actually did it for, for this episode where we're talking about what are the, you know, whether it's filler words, how do we just get better? How do we keep evolving? And because it's literally the two of us and yeah. it's what each individual brings to the table and as well as together, mm. uh, what are the little techniques and, and specific things we should be mindful of, avoid or do more of? Uh, idiosyncratic words that we're not conscious of them. And thank you so much for your feedback because I do. I, mm. If I want to be a leader in this space and if it's a global mission, then I have to have to be accountable myself. Mm. And it can be hard. Like someone points those things out to you. It's like your auto response, which is I think a very human thing, is your ego, is to get defensive. And you have to make a deliberate choice in that moment to squash that because actually, which is easier when you understand where it's coming from and why. And it sort of goes back to that higher purpose. It's all so we can actually raise the bar ourselves in terms of the quality of uh, how we're articulating ourselves and our message and entertaining as well uh, what's going to work best. And when it's in that context that we both understand, then you can afford to be direct. It's not personal because it's understood in the context of, of that. And, and, and that's so important as a coach. To, mm. It's the skill of how to give feedback. Mm-hmm. But first you actually have to create the framework and manage expectations. So there is that shared understanding of where, where you're with your coachee, where, mm. you're, where you're heading towards. Yes. And then you can have the difficult conversations. Yes. And I really um, want to thank Judy as well for at the She Rallies Coaches Conference, um, female-only coaches conference in the UK, the final speaker was a Scottish Buddhist monk by the name of Caroline McHugh. And I highly uh, recommend that um, you watch her TED Talk, if, if you haven't seen it already, on the art of being yourself. Mm. And so Judy introduced me to her and, um, you know, she's even giving me some feedback, exactly like we are just saying, on my presentation in is, the morning. Is it brutal? Well, I'll, uh, maybe we'll save Are that you, for the... Tomorrow morning it's happening? Uh, tomorrow morning. Oh, she's, wow. Yeah. So she's... I'll, I'll let you know. So watch, watch this space. So one of the quotes that Caroline said in her talk is, the high duty of the artist is to let the chips fall where they may. And when you think about what's next, it's also... It's uncertain. Yes. So there's uncertainty in that. So it's almost the trust in your intuition and when you're on point and when you're on message and when you're more connected to the higher purpose of where you're heading, mm. the, the chips are going to fall where they may. And, and that's how you navigate. Yeah, it's because it's, I suppose, if the chips fall and those, those chips are obstacles, then being centred to your why, and we've heard a number of, um, uh, we hear that a lot, you know, from, from coaches. Yes, uh, what's your why? Some upcoming mm. interviews as well as some we've already had, what's your why? And, and that's really what it is because when, you're, mm. when you absolutely know that to your core, you can pretty much deal with most things mm. and, so, and stay, keep moving forward, keep navigating through a very, you know, windy, challenging mm. course and the unknown. Uh, that's, that's key. Mm. And that, that absolutely makes sense. So can I ask you, Simon, yes. what's next for you? 
For me, it's letting go. It's, it's and and what I when I mean by that, it's like doing this podcast. It's uh, as, as as a part of that, giving. I've I've made a very conscious choice in the last couple of months as a result of being open to others' messages and other people that I respect and admire, both online and you know tapping into things socially, hanging out with you, Emma, and just hearing different perspectives uh, and and family. It's like I've got this whole career that's bring, brought me to this point. My own, what stifled me so far is myself. It's now time to let it all out in terms of the knowledge, the expertise, uh, the IP. Um, rather than keep it. Rather than keep it's it. It's mine. Gonna... Uh, someone else is going to steal it and yeah, use it. And yeah. It's it's just, I get it. Oh, like yes. I get it now. It's, yes. And it's interesting how it's wrapped up in the ego and... Uh, self-confidence or lack thereof i think a lot of it for me comes from being shy as a kid and me more of the introvert in me that that's that's often a challenge but now i'm it's it is let give it away give it up give it away put it out there to the universe flooding back to you and see what happens so Mm. that's Mm. and and specifically in terms of what that is in terms of subject matter Mm. and my expertise well it is about the ability to help people change their habits and see things from a different perspective. Mm, mm. And that is a people perspective, a customer perspective, um, and give them the mechanism, actual skills and technique to enable them to do things in terms of communication that they never thought they could do and how that changes their lives and in turn changes mine because mm. I'm part of that journey with them. Yes. And, and everything I do for the rest of my life, if it's not that in some form, I won't be fulfilled. That's my passion. That's what I've realized down to you talked about your website. So then when you realize that, then it comes down to very practical things in terms of your messaging and decisions you make around, well, who are you? And in terms of the marketing of yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a, my business is twofold. In, in its simplest form, it's measurement. So I objectively measure what's happening, you know, and, and listen and get data and get input and then do coaching to help to help fix it. So or enhance it, or, or enhance it rather than even fix it. Oh, it's a- absolutely. So mm. it's just take it to another level. Mm-hmm. Keep evolving. Mm-hmm. Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, get better at it, and 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 the the returns that that happen uh, from that for the individual and and for the business itself. Mm. Um, so it's that's come down to even just um, am I a measurement business or am I a coach? Am I a coach? Or am I someone who measures what's happening? And it's hard to market both of those things. What I've come to realize is I'm a coach. It's through this podcast. I'm a coach. This is my passion. This is it. Everything the coaching else, podcast. Yeah, everything else around that. The Support, tools, the mechanism. Yeah, are tools. Are, are tools. Yes. And and the clarity of that is very recent. Yeah. So How awesome is that? I'm, I'm really excited by yeah. um, by just knowing, knowing yeah. that and the truth of that. So Probably the best way then to conclude this um this this episode in definitely thanking Judy personally for everything that she supported me with my career uh, is something that Caroline McHugh said in in on that day and she said my life is my message so when we ask ourselves what's next if we can align that and we can understand that your life is your message 
That's it. Align then your purpose. All your yep. decisions, all your future actions become a lot easier. Yeah. You cannot. That's the key to success. Yes. And and happiness. Yes. Well, Judy, line to your Judy does self. call me the effervescent Aussie. The effervescent Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> like Schweppes. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Remember that ad? Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so Emma, it's been a pleasure. It um, has brilliant interview with uh, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. So much for everything. And uh, thank you, uh, audience. We would love for you, before we finish, Emma, um, go to iTunes, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. If you are enjoying the show, please rate and review. Yes, um, it won't take long. Won't take long. It's really straightforward. You might just have to log into yeah. iTunes with your if you're not already with your uh, Password. Apple ID. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the quickest. The reason we ask yeah, why? that. Why? Why, it's, Simon? It's, you're, you're, the techie, <laughs> you're the techie guru. I'm not. Well, we're, we really want to grow our audience. And the quickest way to do that, the most powerful way, is volume of Rate, rev- reviews, and reviews. On, on iTunes in terms of bumping it up in the list. You know, literally when someone does a search for coaching, etc., will they be able to find us? Mm, we hope so. We hope so. Mm, so. Because this is the type of quality, you know, guests we can get on the show. So Absolutely. And we're here for the long haul. We know. are. We love it. And so we welcome and j- jump on our Facebook page. If you're not already, we've got a Facebook group where you, we would love to hear from you. Yep. We'll add you as a member. All Just you've got to do is... Type in the coaching podcast into Facebook, click join. And uh, done. And then you connected, and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, thank you for listening. We'd like to thank Judy Murray for being our guest on this episode of the Coaching Podcast, a champion in getting more girls and women into tennis and coaching. For more information on her programs for girls of all ages, visit sherallies.co.uk. She's also the founder of Set for Sport, a program created to help parents find easy and accessible ways to play with their children at an early age and develop the skills required for sports. Find out more at setforsport.com. That's set number four sport.com. Connect with Judy on Twitter at Judy Murray and check her profile to access the links to the programs she's involved with. The Coaching Podcast is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. And thanks to emmadoyle.com.au, speaker, mentor and performance coach. My name's Jane Neal, producer for The Coaching Podcast. Thanks for listening.